Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. You guys are seeing the four chairs behind me. You're thinking, there's going to be four preachers today? We're going to be here forever. Hey, if you, don't, uh, if you didn't remember, if you don't know what's going on back in the kitchen, uh, they're doing a pulled pork fundraiser. So if you are thinking to yourself, well, man, I haven't, had, I haven't made lunch plans yet, guess what? They are raising funds for the DR trip next summer for 26 different individuals to go to the DR next summer. $10 gets you a pulled pork dinner. So feel free to stop by um, after service today, um, get your pulled pork. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a great thing. We are walking through this series, the fundamentals, disciplines that change lives. You know, at the very heart of what this series is all about is what we are told in Scripture. Christ tells us that he has come to give life, that you and I might have life and have it abundantly. He also says elsewhere in Scripture that anybody who is heavy laden and burdened, should come to him and to experience rest. You know, oftentimes when we think of spiritual disciplines, when we think of discipline, we look at this and we see the X's and the O's and we think of sports and we think of everything that it takes to get us to improve to where we need to be to achieve, achieve, achieve. And we think of the coach who is just over us saying, do more push-ups, do, do more uh, up-downs, run faster, run harder, and he's yelling at us and spit is flying and we're like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And we think of that as the discipline that we need to be doing within our own spiritual lives, that we need to be constantly sweating and stressed out and just keep on pounding and pounding and pounding away. And yet this whole idea completely contradicts what Jesus says. He says, my yoke is easy. I've come to give you rest. I've come to give you life. It's not meant to be this burden, but it is a discipline. It's a discipline that when we pursue them, it's a discipline that when we engage with them, all of a sudden we begin to go deeper into what it is to experience what it means to follow after Jesus. The only thing is, is that it's different from anything else you would ever do in this world, which makes it difficult. Many of us, we would like to keep on pounding away. We would like to sweat. We would like to stress because that's what the rest of the world is doing as they try to achieve all of their goals and objectives. And yet Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You don't have to do this. Come to me. Be set apart. Live the sanctified life, what it is to be set apart and be made more and more like There was a time, actually, currently, as you all may know, I don't always make the best decisions in life, Um, and one day I decided to go for a run, which many of you are like, yeah, that wasn't a smart decision, Justin. Um, And this particular run was of a longer distance, which, again, just adding to the bad decisions in my life. In the midst of this run, I knew that I was not going to be able to complete it on my own, but I'm an introvert believe it or not. I am an introvert, and I don't necessarily want people around me as I'm trying to get this run done. 
but it was a long distance and I knew I couldn't do it on my own, so I get started, I'm going and I'm running and I don't know, a, a few miles in, all of a sudden I get this phone call and it's my mom. <laughs> she just wanted to check in, make sure I was doing okay, that I was still going. I'm like, wow, that, that, that was what a wonderful surprise and it was a distraction. I ended up going a little bit further and next thing you know, my sister's calling me. She's just checking in, making sure I'm doing okay. Then my brother calls me. Then my dad calls me. Then my other brother calls me. I, by the time I was done with that run, I felt so encouraged and pushed forward. In fact, by the end of that run, my sister-in-law, I was talking with her. I was so distracted by talking with her, I actually went further than I had actually anticipated. You see, in this moment, yes, I was, I was doing something on my own, but I was being pushed. I was being encouraged. I was surrounded by this community of individuals. Yes, it was my family, but a community of individuals who wanted to see me succeed. And I was able to accomplish that long run. The kicker is, when I tried to do it again three weeks later, my family's calling me again, encouraging me, pushing me on, but then I failed. I got about halfway and I could tell that something had happened within my body and I, I didn't have the mental discipline to keep on pushing forward and in that moment I just stopped. Not because my community had failed me. My, my community, my family, they were calling me, they were making sure I was doing okay, yet in the midst of them pushing me and encouraging me, I failed. And I was humbled and I was humiliated. I, told, I had told everybody, hey, I'm doing this. I'm going for it. I'm going for the big one. Halfway through, I failed. Not because my community failed me. Not because they fell short. But here's what was really powerful, because in that moment, even though I failed, even though in this one moment, I had to take a step back and say, wow, this is humbling, guess what? My community continued to come through for me. Because next thing you know, my sister's driving up alongside the road, picking me up, knowing because I had still over an hour left if I was just going to keep on walking on my own. And she came, and you want to talk about humbling? When your little sister comes with a car to pick you up alongside the road in the middle of nowhere. You know, friends, today, for many of us, the idea of, of doing life, of going through life with the community is intimidating. Not because we're introverted and we don't want to be surrounded by people. Many of us are extroverted. We like people. But the idea of intimately doing life with others is intimidating. For many of us, we say we don't need others. For many of us, we say, you know what, they're, they're smarter than me. It's going to be way too intimidating. For others, we say, I'm smarter than them. I don't need them. For others, it's just the scary thing of being vulnerable. The idea of being humbled, the idea of somebody knowing that I make mistakes, I can't let them into that process. I can only allow them to see the, the high moments, the good moments. This idea that people will see weakness keeps us from doing life with one another in intimate, intimate community. And then there's others who say, yeah, Christians aren't helpful at all. They're the worst kind of friends. They're the ones that make me feel judged. They're the ones who make me feel awful about myself. I can't do community with them. Let me, friends, 
as I was on this particular run, there wasn't a, any individual that I had talked to that day that could actually give me running advice. None of them were runners that I talked to. But the thing about running is that it's not always about finding other runners who are better than you or as good as you at running. It's just somebody to come alongside you and say, you can do it, you got this. And even if you fail, we'll come right beside you with the car to pick you up and drive you home. And it's the same way with our Christian walks. As we go through life, it is inevitable that we will make mistakes. We will be humbled. Somebody's going to experience a weakness of ours. It's not always about surrounding yourselves with those who have it all put together. It's not about surrounding ourselves who are going to, with people who are going to match you and meet you exactly where you're at at the very moment that you need them. It's about surrounding ourselves with a body of people who, even though they may have no idea what you're walking through, will come alongside you, will pray for you, will lift you up and say, we can't understand the pain, but we will support you and be exactly what you need in this moment. Friends, today we are just talking about, we are talking about what it is to pursue community as a discipline. Because no matter what we think, no matter what you think, you cannot pursue Christ unless you are pursuing those who are pursuing Christ. We cannot do this on our own. What we don't realize what many of us don't realize is that if we are not pursuing after the community of God, if we're not pursuing an intimate community of believers, we will not be able to experience the peace of God in its fullest potential. We will not be able to, uh, to, to experience the rest of God that he promises us. We will not be able to experience everything about what it is to experience the abundant life. This is what it is to pursue community. And it's not about adding more to our plate. Please hear me out. It's not about adding more to-dos on our list of to-dos throughout the week. Friends, hear me out. It's not about taking this plate. If we have a plate full of things that we need to do in the middle of a week, I'm not saying to add another thing to your to-do list. I'm saying remove the Pop-Tarts that are distracting you from the feast that God is offering you. So often we say Pop-Tarts are the easy way to go because I can do it on the run, which allows me to do more things throughout my week. And yeah, they're kind of tasty. And you know what? They're not as good as this feast, but they're good enough for now. And so I just stick with this. And we prioritize our weeks by these small things. And we miss out on the feast that God is saying, just sit down and experience me for once. But we get so distracted with everything in our weeks and everything in our lives, and we settle for the Pop-Tarts when we have a feast ready for us. Church was never supposed to end when the sermon ends. Just as Ben shared last week on the topic of worship, it's not so much about what happens on Sunday, but what happens in between Sundays. Yes, church is this. This is church. It's the gathering of people to come and corporately worship and to hear the word of God preached. Yes, but it is so much more as well. Intimate fellowship, intimate community. This is church. And so today we are going to be looking at what it means. What it means to see it in the Bible as why we are to be pursuing community, and then we're going to hear from others and how this community, how communities of Christians have impacted and changed their lives. So real quickly, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews today. 
Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 24. This is our biblical mandate. This is how we are being set up. This is the foundation by which we rest, on which we rest. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, Christianity is the one thing in this world that says you must do this together. You cannot do it on your own. There's no possible way that you can rise the ranks of Christianity of this world or whatever it may be by yourself. Christianity is something that we live into that is greater than ourselves. And this is the biblical mandate. It says we must be continually spurring each other on. You see, wherever, where, everywhere else in the world that has us racing to accomplish goals, that has us wanting to beat the other person beside us, to have this and have that, to achieve this and to achieve that, to have the greater family, to have greater success, whatever it may be, everywhere else in the world that says do this, even the good things, the world would say, hey, donate to charity because you become a better person in doing so. And we like to think, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. That's a good thing. That's not me selfish. But it is still our selfishness because we only have in mind what we are doing. And yet Christianity is saying, no, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about how we are coming alongside together and pushing each other forward. Christianity is not as much about us getting to eternity as it is us coming alongside each other and helping one another reach eternity. You can't get to eternity with God on your own, at least not doing it properly. At least in this way, when you're doing it on your own, you're not going to achieve the rest and the joy, the peace and the love that he's promising you here right now. We are called to something so much greater. In fact, even throughout the New Testament, outside of Hebrews, we are told that the Christian body, as cliche as it may be and as often as we may say it, it still stands true. We are a body of believers with Christ as our head. We are a body. Think about what this means, the ramifications of this. So often we say we're going to come here for an hour, hour 15, on a Sunday morning, and then we're going to leave. But friends, that is not intimate community at all. When you leave, you are then saying for the rest of your week that if you are a part of a body, you're going to take that finger, for instance, if you are the finger, and you're going to say, for the rest of this week, I'm going to go live on my own, then I'll come back together and hope, hope just maybe that this finger can then get reconnected with the body for an hour and 15 minutes. You see, all throughout the New Testament, we are given this language that you and I, we need one another. We need one another another it doesn't matter how informed you might be it doesn't matter how long you have been a christian it doesn't matter how developed you believe your spiritual muscles are we need to be in community because without community we then become the isolated organ thinking that we can do things on our own that we will survive that is a huge temptation so we go throughout our week continuing to eat these pop tarts forgetting the feast over here but all the while we die inwardly and yeah we're temporarily satisfied with the sweetness and the convenience of this pop tart and yet we're missing out on the nutrition 
the sustenance, everything that keeps us experiencing the abundant life. And then we continue to see as we go back to Hebrews. It says, and all the more as you see the day, the day approaching. Friends, the day of Christ's second coming, which is what is being referred to here, is now closer than it was 2,000 years ago. If the command was to be an intimate community then, because they were anticipating the day to come, now that we're 2,000 years past that, this message, how much more so should we continue to be an intimate community? If the church of yesterday was found to be an intimate fellowship with one another, then how much more so should we be an intimate fellowship with one another? Friends, our race day is approaching. The day in which we go out on our long run, whether you like it or not. For so many here, you've, you've decided, oh, we're going to forget about it. We're going to be in denial. We see it coming. It's on the calendar, whatever it may be. The race day of our life is here. And some of you, we, we, we may be able to experience, we may be able to get up by with Pop-Tarts as our nutrition, with, with all of these other activities that is keeping us from experiencing, experiencing the life abundance. But there will come a point in time where you will wonder and you will question, where is the peace of God in my life? Friends, I'm here today to encourage you. And I don't want you to just take my word for it. I'm going to invite the four individuals that I've asked you today. These four individuals, they have been impacted by being surrounded by the community of God. These four individuals, they've experienced what it is to participate in the feast as they give up the Pop-Tarts. These four individuals have impacted my own life. And I would like for you to hear from them everything that we have walked through. Now, I would ask for your grace because here's the thing. We didn't practice or rehearse. These individuals are very nervous. We talked about it before. Welcome them, would you? Starting over here, we have Greg Merrill, Rob Elling, Laura Smith, and April Bourne. And one of the things I want to discuss with them today and have them share, and you'll, you'll, you'll note that this is going to be a very conversational piece. This isn't simply going to be me walking through questions that they have prescribed answers to. They have, they have the questions beforehand that they have thought through, but one of the things I think is going to happen here is you're going to see very organic conversation about what it is to sacrifice the Pop-Tarts as they strive after the feast that has been offered them. And please don't hear this. This isn't us saying, hey, be a part of this group. Hey, be a part of this group. Hey, be a part of this group. What I want you to hear today is how being a part and prioritizing community has changed their lives and their own spiritual walks. So thank you all for being willing to come up here. I didn't have to prod too hard. But I want to start off with the first question. I want to start off with the first question. How has being a part of community helped you experience and live out the fruit of the Spirit in your own life? What it is to experience the love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. I have a feeling the, mute might, the mics might be muted. There you go. Hi, y'all. 
So whoever would like to get us started, that. I'll, I'll go first. Um, first of all, if you've ever wondered what an animal at the zoo feels like when everyone's staring at them, this is probably what it would be like for me. So appreciate it. Um, how has being part of a community helped me experience and live out fruits of the spirit in my life? Um, it's, it's tough to sit up here and only take even two minutes to try to describe that. Um, being a part of two solid churches and a body of believers that have surrounded us, uh, how they've helped us. Um, it's hard to add to anything that Justin has said already. I think the, the running and the Pop-Tarts that you shared were great examples um, actually, I got distracted smelling the food, too, so kind of keep on track there. But um, your verse that you shared in Hebrews 10, uh, 24 and 25, that's been a, a verse that's been heavy on my heart lately because it, it speaks of let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as the day approaches. I've looked at that lately as being my healthy verse because if you start at verse 22 and go through 25, in the NIV, four times it mentions the words or the two words, lettuce. So I look at that. That's my healthy verse, that I need these things in my life to keep me going, I, I, to consider these things. And it's not just for me. I think I, I know as I grow in Christ, other people benefit and grow out of the things that I experience when I share with them also. Being involved in uh, not just our life groups, it's not even those, it's our Sunday school class. We teach third, fourth, and fifth graders. Um, we're part of a group on a Wednesday night, part of a men's group on Saturday morning. Um, just those, those activities alone, the growth that we gather from just the different age groups help us in so many things. And I'd like to think also, and I do believe in my heart, that we're actually sharing something beneficial to them also that, that they're benefiting from. So, And everybody here that has impact is great. But to have an opportunity to share with everybody in just a short setting is difficult. So, And I would agree that if anybody here, anybody here wants to speak to anybody afterwards, we'd be happy to share in, in further depth how much it's, it's meant to us in our lives. And in, in our fruits of the spirits, how we've grown there. So. Um, yeah, I guess I would just add, I sound really loud. Um, my, my biggest community is usually shorter than me. They don't let me talk to adults, so grace, please. Um, that's a part of it. Um, it says of community, but it's one big community, but there's these little teeny communities within that we're all part of, your life group. Um, Wednesday night is a huge part of my community, um, life groups that we go to, Sunday mornings, uh, Sunday schools, Bible studies, the men's Bible study I know is a huge part of my son's community. I mean, when you have a 17-year-old son who gets up on Saturday morning at 4.30 a.m., um, and is excited to go meet with other men and just talk about the Bible and breakfast and whatever else it is that y'all talk about. Um, so it's not just um, us getting together here, or it's all of it. I was kind of worried when they didn't give me a microphone. I was the only one, but uh, <laughs> thanks, Rob. 
The three key words of our mission statement are the key words, worship, connect, and serve. And I want to tell you uh, what I think is my best serve story. It's kind of like a person you really care for, and it's Christmas, and you buy the perfect gift, and you are so excited to give this perfect gift. And as they start to unwrap it, you've got goosebumps. Oh, please let them enjoy it as much as I do. And they do. And it's just giving is always better than receiving. A couple years ago, I saw a bunch of uh, mulch bags around the city. And that Sunday, we distributed and raked all these mulches into the proper places. I talked to the rec department uh, main person on Monday, and I said, how did it go? He basically started crying about the service we did to the community. And I felt better than him, and yet he was crying and I was smiling. So the serving has been tremendous for me. I've enjoyed every factor of it. And we can't separate community and churches. One exists because the other exists. The most life-giving part of church here that I've experienced has been our small group. And when I came here, I had no idea what a small group even was because this is my first experience even attending church. Um, I was baptized here, and this has been my only experience with church. So um, at first I was terrified of the notion of a small group because, as Justin said, being part of um, groups of people can be very scary because of the vulnerability of it all. And, um, you know, you're connecting with people in a very personal way. But... Um, Life group for me has been medicine. Um, it's been very life-giving to not only myself, but my family, my children. Um, I have such beautiful relationships with my small group women, and I can't speak um, enough good things about my small group. We have um, the most beautiful community we pray together, we pray over each other, we confess our sins to each other, we encourage one another when we're um, facing hardships. And um, in the world, people rejoice when you know, you're um, down or when you fail because that makes them look better. You know? But when you have Christian community, there's no rejoicing when something bad happens or when there's a failure, you know, you come together and you pick each other up and you pray over each other and you encourage each other to keep going. And that has been such a, a blessing in, like I said, not only my life but my children. And I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so this is um, all so new and so wonderful. And to have this being established as a foundation in our home and setting this example um, for, for our home, for our children. It's just amazing and wonderful. And I'm so glad that we didn't say no to the opportunity of small group because it crossed my mind. <laughs> um, and uh, someone had once told me that when, when Jesus... 
gives you the opportunity uh, or opens a, a door for, for um, growth, you say yes. And so I'm so very glad that we said yes to small group, even though the temptation was there to run away. <laughs> and I'm so glad that we uh, did not run away from small group. I love you guys. I, one thing I add to this also, <clears throat> um, we were talking a little bit earlier about changes in that. And scripture tells us that, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old things passed away, the new things have come. Talk about finding time. And, and my wife, Terry, and I, we talk about surrendering things a lot mm -hmm. to self. And th that's, that's difficult. It's been very difficult for me because the most important thing that I possess is my time. Because when I spend it, I, I have yet to find someplace that I can buy it back. It just, doesn't, it just doesn't happen. But I've found in a lot of cases, I still struggle with that, but it's been easy giving up my time and investing it in, in some of these other things. The benefits that I'm getting, you know, it's... In these times, it's hard to find something good to invest in and make a profit off of it. This is one thing I've been able to profit off of. Sometimes it's a hard profit. Like I don't, like you were saying, I don't want to hear what you have to say, mm -hmm. but it's beneficial. Absolutely. And that's, that's a huge part of that intimacy you get and fellowship you get with believers. They, you're not going to get it from the world. I think the world is more set on telling you what you want to hear rather than what you need to hear. So yeah I, the priorities or I guess the question was sacrifices and I, I don't look at it as sacrifices I look at it those are priorities in my life I've had four different church situations this week and uh, I've enjoyed every one of them now I, I have fallen in the past and we had a church group about five years ago and it was also back nine masters on Sunday my wife's getting ready to walk out the door to go to Paul and Glenn Miller's house. And I said, I'm not going. And she goes, that's a good one. I said, I'm not going. What am I supposed to tell the group? I said, I'm watching golf. And she left mad. And I wasn't happy with myself either. So then about an hour and a half later, the garage door opens. And I went, oh, here it comes. And I deserve every bit of what she's going to unload me. She walks in and she goes, you caught a break. And I went, oh. Oh, what's the break? Dave Watts stayed at home to watch golf, too. <laughs> oh, I owed him for that. I don't know if that answer helps our cause right now, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be hearing from Dave next week, by the way. I, I would like to hear from, uh, from you guys as well as we continue this type of a discussion. How, how have you seen the sacrifice of, of prioritizing. In many ways, we talk about the Pop-Tarts versus the feast. How have you seen sacrificing the Pop-Tarts? Because sometimes, like, like I mentioned before, it means giving up our free evenings. It means giving up that, that time to, to watch golf. It, it means giving up things that we immediately want to strive after something that we won't necessarily see the immediate growth from. How have you seen that play out in your own life? I think for me it came with time um, and learning because um, I'm an introvert, um, but I like to be around people once I get there. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so it's really hard for me to get going. And even on Wednesday nights, I know I'm going to have such a great time when I get here. And those kids, and they come up, and they run, and they hug me. And they're like, oh, my gosh, i got to tell you this thing. And it's so exciting. And I get here, and I am just filled. Um, that's my joy cup. That's, I just love it on Wednesday nights. But after I'm getting everything ready during the day and everything else, I'm tired. And I'm like, okay, maybe we can just skip Wednesday night. I can find somebody else to teach the class, and we can do that and everything else. Um, it's happened, and I've traded those things. And I just feel like I gave something so awesome up, and I'm just saddened by that now. Um, so I don't know if that like necessarily answers the question. It is hard because you have to look at those and I don't always want to look at it as what am I going to gain out of it because that's not necessarily what it's about either. Um, but I feel that piece missing when I'm not a part of whatever it is. Um, when we have to cancel life group or something, I love my life group. You guys, we laugh. It's the reason I clean my house. Um, so it's just uh, a great thing for everybody all around. Um, but when we have to cancel it for something, you know, I'm just like, oh, well, what are we going to do tonight? So um, I think, you know, once, you, once I started doing these things and replacing the other things, which was like, oh, I don't know what, watching TV or reading a book or whatever it was that I replaced it with, um, it's just so much more gratifying and filling. I'll add, add to that. Um, coming to Christ so late in life, for me, I've only been a Christian for a year and a half. It's never so too late. I, <laughs> amen. Um, so I've seen what the world has to offer, and it's nothing compared to what is here. So for me, it's just been about making Sundays and Wednesdays and corporate worship and everything that the church has to offer, it's, it's been making that the priority for my family because I've seen what's out there and it's, it's nothing. And I don't want my children to, um, you know, make that what they seek after. I want them to seek after what's here. So um, it's, that's been the priority. Sundays and Wednesdays, and corporate worship and everything that this church has to offer is, is what we prioritize. And we make, we rearrange our schedules and we do what we need to do to be here. And that's just how it's been. There's been a handful of days where there's been a sickness or whatever, you know, that we haven't been here. But aside from that, this is where we are because like this is where, we just walk through the doors and it just feels like home. You know, it just feels like this, you, just, you know, there's a sigh of relief. Like, this is just, this is where it's at. This is where we need to be. I would like for each of you, if you could, um, this, this one, one more question. How, how has pursuing other Christians helped you pursue God more? If you could just each individually share about your own personal walks with God. We, we've heard of how it can be difficult. We've heard how it can um, be rewarding. But what are some ways in which community itself, being surrounded by a body of believers, has helped tangibly push you closer to God? For me, recently, um, that's an easy question. Um, I got involved at the ground level of LifeWise Academy. 
And I've been in town, some people say too long, our family about 50 years, where did that go? And probably the neatest thing I have seen is the community and the churches coming together to lift LifeWise off the ground and into action. And as we sat with Ben being the leader, five people in his office, we saw the big picture, but then to see the little spots be filled and to see it come to fruition um, motivated me beyond belief to see people committed and willing to sacrifice and do whatever it took to get LifeWise off the ground. And I just rode the bus back on Tuesday from a very fruitful meeting, and all I can say is the impact of LifeWise Academy is wow. For me, it started with just coming here, and then that led into um, serving in the Faith Factory, and um, I'm also helping in the preschool now, and um, just helping with everything that the church has offered since then, like with Serve Sundays and the, the little fair booth, like that was, that was awesome. Everything that, that the church has offered for us to help with, it has just been awesome to be surrounded by God's people and it's just fulfilling and rewarding just being a part of it all and, and just being outside of myself. Just like Justin said, there is so much more than just ourselves and we have to get outside of ourselves and, and think about others. Um, when we first moved here a long time ago, um, we moved away from all of our family. And um, the first thing that we realized, you know, we were young in our faith, we were young in our family, we had a two-year-old and we moved here. Um, I didn't have any more built-in babysitters. I didn't have anybody else. I mean, yeah, I could call my mom on the phone and be like, oh, how do you cook that thing again? Um, but we realized pretty quickly that we had a choice. And mom always said, hang out with the people you want to be like. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it wasn't as easy as just going next door and saying, hey, we need some help with this or whatever. And that is part of it too, is us going out. Um, but we found our church family and we threw ourselves into that. And nothing will get you closer to everybody in the church than just going, where can I help you? Everybody's got a spot. Um, but so we threw ourselves into that, and in volunteering, um, we found our family right there that we needed. And people, when all of a sudden um, I was pregnant with Simon and we had to go to the hospital because he was coming and he was coming now, we didn't have anybody. Grandma was two and a half hours away, so we had somebody who was on call right there, ready to be there, that we trusted, that could hang out with our kids. And I mean, so that's a part of it too, is having those people that um, we could trust, that we knew had the same values in line for our kids and helping raise our kids and helping us grow. Um, and so each day that we spent with those people were days that we became better in what we wanted to do ourselves and what we saw we wanted our children to have a home like, I mean, and that's a huge thing, I guess, when you're a parent. I'm, you know, um, I don't know if you ever get to the point 
where you go like, hey, I did it. I've been a successful parent. If anybody knows that you get there, let me know. Because um, I still am watching them and still, like, even the adult children, like, I still need all of your guys' help with them because I have questions and you have answers. Um, and I guess that's the biggest part is I learned and it helps me pursue God more is that there are people out there that are older than I am that have stuff to offer. But I love Titus because there are people that are younger than I am that have so much to offer. I watch my preschoolers and their trust of God and I look at them and I go, I want to be more like you, except for not eating Play-Doh. <laughs> I'll kind of combine the last question with, with this question. I think with this one, pursuing other Christians, when Christ changed my life, I guess the effective person in my life that really, and I still look to, is a family member, a brother-in-law of mine. Um, you know, pursuing other Christians, pursuing, I want to be like that guy, you know? I used to, I, I used to not like watching Little House on the Prairie because it just kind of, it's like, that's corny. But now I watch it, not all the time, but I watch it periodically. And Charles Ingalls, man, he's a good man, you know? Mm-hmm. I want to be like Charles Ingalls, you know? So, but this brother-in-law of mine, He's a, he's a good example. And what's great about it, the impact one person can have on so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. I go to church with his children. You know, they've impacted my children. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what benefits does it have? My children, mm-hmm. you know. They're walking with the Lord. They're serving. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a desire to know more. Mm-hmm. And prioritizing, you know, has it changed? Definitely, have, have there been sacrifices? I don't look at them a lot. Like you said, Greg, I, the things we do sometimes, I just don't look at those as being sacrifices. I look at those as being not even obligations. I look at them, their, their desires, you know. It's, it's essential. It's my lettuce. I need that lettuce. Don't always like it, but I need it. Yeah, you know, how easy is it to uh, uh, pursue other Christians? Well, I... I guess I run a coffee group at the clubhouse at the golf course, and I don't drink coffee, which is interesting. So on a Monday, a few years ago, you know, there's two things you don't talk about, politics and, re- and religion. So I broke that rule on a Monday because of a Sunday question. And the questions, and I said, I have a question from the sermon yesterday, and these guys all rolled their eyes. And I said, I'm going to go ahead with this. The question was, name the two most important dates of your life. Well, they said, well, me being born. I said, then what's the second one? Well, I guess I should say my wedding or the birth of my first daughter or we got our first dog or whatever. And I said, well, the church answer is, anybody want to guess? The day that you find out why you were born. What purpose does God have for you? And I brought it up and I'm going through this and I'm going, how's this going to end? Half an hour later, we had a tremendous discussion. And every now and then when I bring up a church sermon, after the first one, they won't, they won't roll their eyes uh, uh, anymore because they know it's not going to stop me from talking. Rob, I would like to close with something that you shared with me in this past week about how community has impacted. So for those of you who don't know, Rob and Terry, uh, his wife, they, they teach our third, fourth, and fifth graders 
um, during Sunday school. And would you, would you mind sharing um, how community played out by the adults has impacted our children? Sure. Actually, um, Terry had shared this, but I'll take credit for it. Um, we, uh, with the third, fourth, and fifth graders, we, we normally start our, our uh, Sunday school class out with um, prayer and praise. I'm not, I'm, I like writing on the board, so prayer and praise. Anyone got any prayer and praise? And we never have a problem with, with kids offering prayer and praise. Always, always have. Usually, okay, one more and that's it. We're done. Fifteen minutes into it, we need to do a lesson. But inevitably, um, what we get a lot of times on our prayers or praises is um, once one says it, you get a, another handful of them of the number of children in the class that say, hey, I, just, I have a praise. We have a life group meeting today. We get to have a life group meeting today. So it's just like, that's a good thing. Your kids are looking forward to this. It's, and it impacts them. It, you know, it's like, okay, are they just going to see their friends? Yeah, it's okay to call them friends. They can, they're believers too. And as they get older, they have life groups. They have friends. They have families that go to that also. This is huge. It's just something so simple, it seems like. God is so simple. He works so simple in our lives. So. Am I allowed to add to that? By all means. It's the clock. <laughs> well, I, I guess I just wanted to say I love, um, I, I know I go back to Wednesday nights, and I'm sorry, but I see so much happen with those kids on Wednesday nights. And just like what you were saying, um, they come in and they talk about all the things that they were excited about. But my favorite is when they talk about when they went to school or preschool or wherever, and they tell their friends who don't have a life group or don't come to church what they did and how much fun they had and how exciting it was. They can teach us so much because I'm not that good about being at like Walmart and asking the cashier like, hey, I had so much fun at church yesterday. You should come to church or whatever. But they are so great at advocating what it really is to be here. And they find that joy. And I know we look at it and we're like, oh, they're three, they're playing, they're doing all these things, or five or 12. Um, but it's the same joy that you guys have here that you feel fulfilled when you get to talk to that friend you didn't talk to all week or life group comes up and you guys are having discussion. And I just love watching them invite their friends or whatever because this is the place that is pretty awesome. And that's because... God is here every time we're here. And when we're out there, as long as we're doing all of that with him, he's with us doing that. And I don't know, there's something to be said with that. They're good at it. Can we give you guys a round of applause, please? It's not for us to tell you what your Pop-Tarts are in your life. But it is for us to share with you all and many of you have experienced this already, what the feast is like. And that's what we're bringing called to this, the fundamentals, disciplines that change life is what we are pursuing after, to experience the feast that God has prepared for us. Would you stand? I would like to pray us out. And after I pray, I'd like to go ahead and as we have for the last few weeks, recite our benediction together. But right now, Father, we come to you. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for calling us to be sanctified, to be set apart, to experience your body of believers. I pray for each and every one of these people inside this room, myself included. 
that we would move past the convenient things of this life, the easy things of this life, to experience the more, the greater, and the deeper of who you are, the abundant life, that we can experience your true rest. Help us to live into this, Father. We give you all the praise and all the glory, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, that all God's people say, amen. Let's say this together. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Be blessed. Live in community. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.